Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Welcome back to part 2 of our lovely chat with Drag Race UK winner Ginger Johnson. Really lovely. You mentioned that you had sort of stopped contacting your family for periods of your life. And did yes. that was that useful? I'm so interested in that part of your life. Um it wasn't it wasn't that I made a choice to do that. It was that after I'd moved to London, mm. um I finished my studies and I moved to London and I went through this kind of second reckoning with myself mm. where I realized that I, I maybe wasn't gay and was in fact queer mm. and that there was a much broader spectrum of LGBTQIA plus life that I did not understand and had not engaged with at all, mm. um, including the politics of it, especially, yeah, and the culture and art that surrounds all of that. Mm. I was also in clubs all the time at that point mm. and falling into the trappings of being in nightclubs. Yeah. And it, it was in a real shame spiral, mm. which, uh, you know, I had quite a serious mental health break at that point. Right. And it was the shame of that situation that made me not want to speak to my family because mm. I was, I didn't know how to talk to them about it. I couldn't process it myself. I didn't know how to explain it to them. And I didn't know what if anything i wanted back from them in that situation because i felt so lost yeah um and it's it is a regret it's one of, it's a big regret in my life that i wasted that time with them mm -hmm. i have a great relationship with them now and mm -hmm. after we kind of after i got back in touch with them and we we found a way now of of talking about that kind of stuff mm -hmm. that means that um i'm not going to reach that threshold again mm -hmm. so i wouldn't say it was helpful it was it was um painful it was really painful and how you know i think talking about stuff in families is the hardest thing how do you now have that framework within between i talk to them all the time that was that was the thing that i was doing wrong mm. i was kind of waiting for waiting for good news to give them yeah you know waiting to be able to say wow look at my i moved to london look at my accomplishments right i'm a success yes and i wasn't yeah that's the reality yeah. especially you know most people don't make it as a, as a success yeah. moving to london to become an international transvestite you know like it's madness it's madness and it didn't happen for a very long time yes. you know and yeah. it only really feels like it's maybe happening maybe in the last six months, yeah. you know, realistically. Mm -hmm. that I, I speak to them regularly because now I've realized that 
they don't want me to tell them that I'm a huge success. They want me to tell them that I'm all right and I've had my dinner and I've paid yeah. my electric electric bill and yeah. you know the, every, the, everything in my life is okay. They don't really. They're not as wrapped up in my ridiculous career as I am. Funny and that realizing that <laughs> yeah. that my job isn't the center of the fucking universe. That was a real eye-opening moment, and I think that's really helped in all aspects of my life. Yeah, yeah, and we're all guilty of that. You, mm. know, you get so up in your own head. Yeah, especially if it's the if your job is your passion mm. and it's something creative and it's something that you are putting all of yourself into. Yeah, you can think, "Wow, this is this is everything." Well, also you took a big risk, right? And yeah. you want to stupid, idiotic. <laughs> it turned out well, but were they supportive of you coming out? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I think it took them a while to get used to the idea. I don't think they ever really had any queer friends. Mm. I don't think they ever really knew any queer people. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, you know, I can see how it would have been a surprise mm. for them. Yeah. And I probably didn't do a very good job of sharing it with them and telling them in the first place. Because, like, how do you do that? Mm -hmm. That's hard. I mean, kids now have lots of examples about how to do that yes. on TV, on the internet, you know, in, in films. There are ways, you know, you can watch something like Big Boys. You can yes. watch that and be like, oh, wow, this that's that's how people do it. There's a way of doing this. Yes. No, that didn't exist when yeah. it was me. Yes. So I think me and a lot of people in my peer group, we just fucking fucked it up, didn't we? <laughs> we absolutely ruined it. Did and the best then backpedaled constantly, you know? Best you could at the yeah. time. Yeah. Well, man, I don't know that I did. I think I could have actually done better, but it's right. done now, isn't it? So Yes. <laughs> I mean, I say that I, I wasn't really aware of being gay or, or anything until uni, mm -hmm. but... Um, I was actually in quite a long time. <laughs> no, I was clearly holding it down yeah. because of what I expected might happen to me if I didn't, mm -hmm. because of... Yeah. Exactly stuff like that, representation of queer people in the media, particularly bad during that time, I think. But do you, I like, this is the thing that I think is really interesting, and I wonder if you feel the same. Denial is an amazing thing mm. that can really have a vice-like grip over you that you don't even realize yeah. until afterwards. You're like, shit, man. And I have to, like, obviously, I've been in denial in the past, and, and when it happens again... I have to get better at spotting it, but I'm still not, mm. you know, like wanting to bring things up in relationships, whether that's friends or my own marriage, you know, just being in denial about things and not being able to track it until I'm like, ah, I've done it again. Because mm. I've gotten used to just wearing myself into a, like, it's almost like a spiral, like a burrow mm. of a fact that I'm choosing to ignore. Mm -hmm. Did you ever have that? <laughs> yeah, every other day, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm quite, I think I'm quite good at catching that kind of thing. That's good. Because I have a very low tolerance for anxiety in my life. So when I, mm. when I find it, when I see it, I'm, I'm, I've got to deal with it because it becomes too much, you know, far, far too much. Really? What's your, what's your relationship to it now? How do you keep that in check? I think my relationship to it is that I do everything that I can to mm. put myself in a place where it doesn't bother me as much as it has in the past. Mm -hmm. It's been really crippling in the past. Mm. Um, and there were two different periods in my life where it made me really quite ill. Really? And coming off the back of the second one of those, I've had to really work hard on identifying it and what the roots of it are and finding a way to deal with it, you know? But also just the big thing is reducing all of the mess in my life 
that it's the baseline anxiety, yeah. all of the things that I constantly worry about all the time, mm -hmm. try and make those things as simple as possible mm -hmm. so that when there is something bigger that comes along or something surprising that comes along, then I know, oh, this is, this is a new Yeah, I'm, this is a new thing I'm anxious about because yes. that background level is low enough that I can realize that. I think that's a big thing. And what have you managed to identify when you talk about exploring it in yourself? What is it that is at the core of it, do you think? Well, it's fear, really. Mm. It's always something that I'm afraid of. Mm -hmm. And then if you can face that, I mean, I, I don't pretend to know how to do it, but... no. Um, I think sometimes just identifying the thing that you're afraid of. One thing I do quite a lot, which goes against a lot of advice, but it was something that I was told by a therapist years and years ago. Mm -hmm. I used to have this thing where I um, I would have in my mind like a an, an inner monologue that was like, oh God, this is awful. Oh, 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 mm -hmm. uh, 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 constantly. <laughs> yes. And um, I was recommended to, to do it out loud. Wow. Yeah. And in the audience I, at things <laughs> <laughs> and i quickly realized you soon realize how absurd that is yeah like if you're sort of quietly cooking your dinner and you're stood there going oh my god oh my god oh god oh god then it, it really like you can go oh hang on this isn't normal <laughs> i shouldn't i shouldn't be feeling this pressed about pasta yeah. so let's scale down a little bit yeah. so that helps me quite a lot and my cats Best possible thing for really? anxiety. Get a cat. And if you're still sad, get another cat. Really? That's what I did, yeah. I've got 12 now. <laughs> <laughs> so um, verbalizing it is interesting. I've never tried that. I think it's a way of admitting it. And also, someone said this thing to me, which I thought was amazing, which was like, and I wonder if it's similar to what you're describing. There's voices in your head and your persecutory voice, like self-persecutory voice, you can identify it because it's very broad brushstrokes mm. in its feedback. So it's never like the pasta you're making. It's never like the you haven't cooked the pasta enough. It's like you are terrible. <laughs> <laughs> you don't deserve the pasta. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's how you know it's that. So start identifying and putting it in different boxes. Mm. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting because mm. like, my anxiety would be like, even before doing this podcast, I'm like, uh, on my way and it's just a, an undercurrent that I'm like you're going to be dreadful like, <laughs> based on nothing yeah. I actually don't think I'm going to be dreadful mm. I actually think that I've taught myself that actually people are there to catch you mm. and you can just be like just do shit and people weirdly are lovely not weirdly do you ever do the positive movie trailer exercise no ah, I do this all the time and I believe Have the first time I heard about <laughs> this was Paul McKenna Oh this my is a Paul gosh. McKenna thing that I saw okay. on the TV like years and years ago. But it's something that does really work for me. Exactly in that kind of situation where you're like on your way to something that you're nervous about or mm. you're awake at night because you're nervous about something that's happening the next day. Mm. Rather than imagine all of the terrible catastrophic ways that it could go wrong, mm -hmm. you play it out as if it's a movie trailer for the best best day of your life. Wow. You think, I'm going to arrive. I'm going to get there on time. My coffee's going to be delicious. My friends are going to be there to meet me. We're going to have a little bit of a laugh. We're going to sit down. You know, my guest is going to be really friendly. We're going to have a great conversation. I'm going yeah. to go home afterwards and feel good about it. That, and that's good. Just filling yourself with that yeah. prophecy almost can help because we are predisposed to always think of the worst possible thing that can happen. Like yes. the worst. And it's never that bad. No. It's never as bad. So that's just a waste of energy all around. So let's stop doing that. And imagine the best possible version of it. And I have found sometimes when I do that, when I do this movie trailer 
I think of a version of it and I'll think of a detail in it that I'll then do because it was in the movie trailer in my head. Like maybe it would be something like, oh, and there's that place near there that I really like the hot cross buns that they've got. So I'll go and get myself a fucking hot cross bun. I'll have a nice day. And uh, then you do it and it, it it works. It works. Really? Well, it works for me anyway. I can't promise it's going to work for anyone. You're living the trailer. Yeah, why not? Yeah, it is true. But it's interesting, you know, you talk about that and why is it so often linked to performance? Mm. Like, what is that? And you, you, you were saying earlier, like you love being on stage, you come alive, and particularly in a theatre yeah. setting. I think you've got to have a certain amount of damage to want to get up and get validation from strangers <laughs> on a stage. You know, yeah. I'm, not, I'm only half joking. Yeah. There's, there's something going on there. I'm not going to say there's something wrong there, yeah. but there's some kind of damage mm. <laughs> that is involved yeah. in that. Yeah. So I think that's very common. Right. I think that's why those two are often linked, that performers also often have a darker side to their life because it's a counterpoint. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. You don't have to talk about anything you don't want to, but like, what do you think that damage is in you that created that? Oh, I think queer shame yeah. hugely through my childhood and some of my adult life as well. Mm. Internalized homophobia, awful. Mm. Um, I think shame in general is, is especially for queer people, can be so destructive, mm -hmm. you know? And because it came about later, you sort of mm. understanding more about yourself, but then you're sort of aware of what created that there was shame in your teenage years, even mm. though you weren't like, is that quite a full on experience to sort of realize how locked in you are, I suppose? I, I mean, those things didn't happen at the same time. That's definitely come mm -hmm. later. Mm. And I think it's going to take a while for me to get to the childhood damage. Mm -hmm. You know, I think I'm I'm still dealing with what's currently going on. I've just, I've, and, we've I'm done this week the last, and last week. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the last sort of maybe 10 years of my life, I think uh -huh. there's quite a lot of work to do in there about yeah. understanding that. Mm -hmm. um, so... I think like anything major in your life, it doesn't really happen that quickly. Mm. And it's important to remember that I am, um, it's important for me to remember that I'm in control of that. I'm in control of how how quickly that happens mm -hmm. and how I interact with it and, and what parts of it I choose to deal with at what time. Mm. Because it's my experience and it's it's my dealing with my experience. So yes. I think sometimes when I feel like something is running away with me, mm -hmm. I remind myself of that. You know, you're in control of this. Mm -hmm. You can make those choices. And then, because um, you seem so centered, that which is what I think is amazing about anxiety, is like 
you seem so centered that it seems surprising to me that you would have had struggles. I think th this is not real. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's one way of explaining it. What? And, and my anxiety doesn't live in what is a professional situation. You know, uh, I don't have I don't have anxiety about uh, interesting. it. Interesting. It's it's everything else. It's the pasta. Know? It's the pasta. Um, it's that one word I said to somebody 15 years ago that oh, they have forgotten oh, about. But I remember man. every night when I go to bed. That's where my anxiety lives. It doesn't oh live in this God. situation. You know, I have this moment. Maybe talking about it would help. Um, I, I will have to charge you. Just <laughs> <so then. laughs> where I basically I did a, I did a documentary. So my other job is I'm a director, right? And I did a documentary about this band who are amazing. And I went on tour with them. I didn't even go on tour with them. I did. I followed them around a bit. Anyway, they did a show and then we did this big interview afterwards. And I said to them, in and among 30 questions, I was like, what do you feel about the idea of fame when things, because they were like going to be a big thing. Mm. And everyone was dealt with the question really weirdly. Like it was a really uncool question to ask mm. is what I gleaned mm. in that moment. I have no idea why, but that has haunted me for 20 years. <laughs> the reaction in that moment has haunted me. Wow. And I actually, weirdly, it came into my mind about three weeks ago, and I was like, for the first time ever, I don't give a fuck about that. Or I'm more compassionate to myself who asked that question. I think you should keep asking that question. What ask to people? Uh, yeah. Desensitize yeah. yourself. Just keep, ask, ask everybody that comes on the podcast. <laughs> Ginger. That's her question. Yeah, let's do it. Come you know on. where I'm heading with this. How do you feel about fame and how it's going to affect, how it is affecting you? I don't feel particularly famous. Yeah, I um, there are some there are some situations where I feel I'm, I'm sort Drag of, I'm sort of maybe gay famous. You know, like in the, yes, in the in the right company, I'm maybe a little bit famous. I always love Justin Vivian Bond says um, I'm uh, extremely famous to a very small number of people, which is the only kind of fame to have, right? I guess. It's, yeah, yeah, because it's like Justin can have their life. And also, I think if you're famous in that regard, um, I wish I'd said all this to the band years ago. It's because you mean something mm. and you've done something that means something. And I think what really messes people up who become hugely famous, mm. like Disney kids who are sort of attaching themselves to something that's actually nothing to do with them. And then they become famous for a thing that's nothing to do with them. Mm. And everybody knows them. I think that is the mm. one that really... And a lot of reality shows, I think, are like yes. that as well. I think Drag Race is slightly different because it is about your art. Quickly you know, backtracks. It's about your creative, it's about your creative outfit. You won't get um, us back to DragCon. <laughs> you won't be able to any more of those jumpsuits. Let me try and answer your question then. I'll stop being evasive. <laughs> I've not really thought about fame. What I have thought about is my access to a much bigger audience now. Yeah. And that is what so is important to me about. No, I mean the audience. <laughs> I mean the audience. So say, when was it? A few years ago, two Two years ago, I made a new show. This was before Drag Race, a year before Drag Race. I made a new show called Good Clean Fun that I was really, really happy with. It was sort of, it was my first sort of main house solo show that I was making. Mm -hmm. And I, I worked for about a year and a half on it, a huge team of people. It was a real culmination of everything I'd learned about my theater making up to that point. And show was great, was really happy with it. And then I went around the country having meetings with venues to go and tour my show to, because that's the next stage. Mm. And everywhere I went, they said, we love you. We love the show. Nobody here will want to come and see it because nobody knows who you are. Uh. And that's like, oh, 
what what the fuck am I supposed to do now? Yeah. You know, like I, I'd leveled up, I'd taken it all the way to the next stage. And then I was absolutely shut down. There was, there was just no mm. way out of it. Mm. Um, Only so fans. when I, <laughs> and nobody wants to see this. <laughs> um, so That's I think, not true, I, th by the I way. think of fame as in, this is going to help me take my message out further. It's going to, yes. it's going to let me go and perform in lots of other places and meet lots more people and work with more artists. Mm. That's what's exciting about it. Mm. And sometimes I get free things on Instagram. That's nice as well. Yes. <laughs> sometimes Nike sends you a shoe. <laughs> or some. What's the best freebie you've ever had? Um, there's a lady who lives. <laughs> there's a lady who lives in uh, Happy Valley. What's it, what's Happy Valley actually called? Hebden Bridge. Hebden Bridge. Yeah. Yes. There's a lady that lives in Hebden Bridge that I've done a couple of shows up there. I've done, I did a preview for my Christmas show up there and I did Hebden, Happy Valley Pride last year. And she brought me a jar of chili jam to the show. And oh. it was absolutely delicious. And oh. I sent her a message telling her how delicious it was. And then when I went to Soho, she sent a box of it to Soho. So it was waiting for me there. Oh. That is, that is the best thing I've That's had. That's amazing. Easily. We did a whole episode of Homo sapiens up in Hebden. Oh, did and, you? Yeah, and we yeah, just had the love best time. And like Helen, who runs the wool shop. Yeah. We got all the goss. We said, I'd put one foot on the ground, a second foot went down, immediately I was in. But we got all the goss. Like Great. everyone was telling us everything about the place. And it's this amazing microcosm of what acceptances have to mm. bridge, right? Mm. It's like, why isn't the rest of the world like that? I know that's a stupid thing. Why isn't the rest of the world just lesbians and dogs? Yes. Like, I'd live in that world. Right? <laughs> what is the next big risk for Ginger? What's the next? Oh, well, I'm, I'm about to start to write my new, my new show. And that, that feels like a risk. Great. Because the version of Ginger that people have gotten to know on TV isn't necessarily who I am when you come and see me on stage. And... I am in a position where I've got to make a show now that lets those people have a great time when they come to my show. Yeah. But also all the people that I've gathered up in my audience throughout the years and something that feels artistically fulfilling for me at the same yeah. time. Yeah. So that's that's a lot of hats to juggle in that yes. situation. But I've decided just to go full ridiculous, I think, and just just nail my colours to the mast and hope everyone comes with me. So that's the risk, lovely. I think. You said a lovely thing about being silly. Mm. People don't. What was it like? You think that people resist being silly when actually... Yeah, people resist being silly because they think it makes them... It's because they, if you're silly, you can't possibly be a good capitalist citizen, can you? <laughs> you can't turn up on time. You can't be uh, trusted to do anything. You're irresponsible. All of these things. Mm. Um, and that's really drilled into us, whether we like it or not. Yeah. But if you can just let yourself be a little bit silly... Every day, I try. I try and do it a lot of time. My whole life is set up to be silly. You know, I mean, look at me. <laughs> That's why you wore a jumpsuit with penises. On. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, thank you, Ginger. I very much enjoyed passing an hour with you. Get in touch, people. Hello at homosapienspodcast.com, at homosapiens on Instagram. We're on TikTok, homosapienspodcast, something like that. Uh, someone could tell you better. Google it. Uh, 
Email your comments, questions, agony uncles. Stay tuned for our LGBT History Month special coming soon as well. Okay? Okay, everybody. This has been lovely. You've been lovely. Bye-bye! Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project... There's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Powered by Spirit Studios.